0: serve a, a God whose character is constant, whose character is unchanging, a God who cares for his children and who is always with his children. We need children that want to participate in children's worship this morning. Elementary kids are welcome to be dismissed and gather out in the foyer for the beginning of that time. At this time, and for all of us who remain here, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me, open up the Bible with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're in Matthew chapter 7 today, beginning in verse 7. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. If if you're using a pew Bible, you can find this text on page 788 as we continue journeying through uh, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, we come to today. We've got a few more weeks in the remainder of uh, this uh, this famous sermon, the most famous sermon, Jesus's sermon. And uh, we want to continue seeking the Lord to guide us in it. So as you find your place there in Matthew 7, let me invite all who are able, would you join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of, of God's word. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus said, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Would you pause with me as we seek the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your goodness. Um, Spirit, we thank you for your presence, and we pray that you would speak to us now, Lord, that you would instruct us now, that you would guide us now through the reading and the proclamation of your word, that we might apply it to our lives and follow after Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What's well, that time of year when, uh, there are some surprises on the basketball court? We're right here in the midst of college basketball season, it's, it's underway and we're gearing up pretty soon. It's going to be March Madness, a time where, uh, we watch, if you're a sports fan, you watch a lot of basketball and, uh, you, uh, if you fill out a bracket, you're looking for some key upsets and there have been some upsets as of late and they'll continue to be upsets and, uh, there's some surprises. Uh, I was surprised this last week on Tuesday night when my own uh, team, the Arkansas Razorbacks, went into Kentucky, uh, into Rupp Arena and, and beat the Kentucky Wildcats by 15 points, uh, shooting over 62% from the field. I was pleased with that. I was pleasantly surprised. And then yesterday, things shifted dramatically when the Mississippi State Bulldogs came into our uh, arena, Bud Walton Arena, and and beat us as we shot uh, much poorer, and they shot much better. But there are surprises in sports, surprises in basketball. And I have to say, as I began to dive into this particular text this week, I was surprised uh, by what uh, I read in the text. I was surprised by what I heard in the text, because uh, the call of the text, uh, as I took it, uh, in studying the Word, was different than what I brought to bear uh, initially upon the passage. No doubt Jesus is inviting uh, his hearers to pray here. This is a call to prayer. uh, Calling his hearers, calling us to come before the Father to ask God for good gifts. That's evident. It's an invitation to pray. And right away as as believers, may Jesus' words here remind us of the great privilege it is to speak to God. Right? To to cry out to God, the the one and only God, as our Father. This is not a heavy-handed call. It's not a heavy-handed message on, on beefing up your prayer life. But it's a reminder of the freedom that we have to approach the one who sits on the throne of heaven. Not because of our goodness, but because of His mercy. And so, friends, once again, we... We hear the words of our Lord, and as we hear the words of Christ, let's be moved by God's mercy towards sinners. Let's be uh, moved by God's mercy uh, toward us, His interest in us. Here's a call to prayer. A call to prayer to exercise a relationship with God through communion with Him. But just what is it that we're to pray for? We're to ask and we're to seek and we're to knock. Those are all metaphors in this context for prayer. But what is it that we're to ask for? What is it that we're to seek for? What is it that we're to knock for? Ask and it will be given to you. Well, some read the Lord's words here and conclude anything. Right? Ask for, for anything. Pray for anything. Come before the Father and ask whatever you wish. And if you ask in the right way, He will give it to you. So is this a guarantee that my cancer will be taken away? My bank account won't run out. That my marriage will be restored. That my kids will be successful if I just fervently seek the Lord for it in faith. Is that the sort of carte blanche invitation we have from Jesus here? And the answer is no. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is speaking about a particular kind of request, a kingdom request. A kingdom request. After all, that's what Jesus has been talking about. That's what he's been teaching on. That's what he's been proclaiming. He's been teaching about the kingdom of heaven, who gets to be a part of it and what it looks like to live as citizens of it. And here's the point that I think that he's making. God graciously grants kingdom entrance to those who come to him. God graciously grants kingdom entrance to those, to everyone who comes to Him. And this is good news for for sinners. This is really good news for sinners, for spiritual beggars who know they need God and thus cry out to God for help. In fact, some scholars even see a, a shift at this point in the sermon. So we lean into this moment of chapter 7, a shift, perhaps a movement from speaking directly to the disciples, to the twelve, right? Remember that Jesus is surrounded by crowds and he, he calls the twelve to him and he begins to instruct them. Some see a movement here from speaking directly to the twelve to, to speaking more broadly to the crowds, An invitation extended to those contemplating a life of following Jesus. Jesus says, if that's you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Like what a, what a promise. What a promise from from the Lord. The, the verb here suggests continuous action. A continuous, persistent prayer. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Come as spiritual beggars before Almighty God, for God graciously grants kingdom entrance to those who come to Him. I think another way of stating what Jesus has already said at the beginning of His sermon, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are those who come to God for help. Broken over their sin, for the ones who will one day be comforted as eternal citizens of, of heaven. Friends, heaven's inhabitants know they need God's help and Jesus is saying that God delights in those who come to Him for help. God graciously grants kingdom entrance to those who come to Him. How readily do you acknowledge your need for God's help? How often, how, how quick are you to come before the Father, acknowledging your position before an Almighty God? How readily do you acknowledge your need For God's help. Where do you turn for help? To to whom do you turn in your need? Jesus prods us to turn to the Lord for God promises to respond to those who earnestly seek Him. God is a God who, who promises to respond to those who earnestly seek Him. The call of the passage is a call to come to the Lord because He cares for you. He will hear you. He hears you. And He will respond to you. He won't leave those who come to Him for help, for entrance into His kingdom. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Commentator Charles Quarles comments on this. He says, if that verse, if verse 7 is an invitation to seek the kingdom. Verse 8, need have no exceptions. The point of the statement is that no one who seeks the kingdom will be denied entrance. Friends, that's good news. The way is narrow. Jesus is going to speak to that soon. Ways narrow, but the gate will be open to everyone who knocks on it. Someone might say, well, how do we know that's what Jesus is talking about here? How do we know Jesus is talking about kingdom entrance and kingdom living as opposed to just praying for wants and praying for needs? There's several, I think, contextual clues, one of which is the way that Jesus has just taught, that Jesus has just taught His disciples how to pray. Famous passage in chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, says in verse 9, says, This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice this is a God-shaped prayer. For God to be glorified, for the King to be honored, for his kingdom to be made known on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. so Jesus does teach a dependence on God for physical provision. Give us today, right? Verse 11, give us today our, our daily bread. But the overwhelming focus of Jesus' model prayer is for a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset. For God's kingdom to be made known to the world... And for his kingdom to be lived in our hearts. It's fitting and it's right to ask God to supply our material needs. But we're to seek the kingdom first. For it's of primary importance and lasting significance. Jesus would go on to say in chapter 6 verse 33. But seek first his kingdom. Seek. Same word that we find in chapter 7 verse Seven, seek and you shall find. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things that you could need will be given to you as well. See, God promises to respond to those who earnestly seek Him, granting them entrance into His kingdom and conforming their character into that of the King of the kingdom. In other words, the request is number one for salvation. Ask and you will find ask and, and you shall be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. It's a request for salvation, number one. Number two, it's a request for sanctification, to become more and more like the king of the kingdom. In fact, Matthew uses the word good a number of times, same word that's used here in verse 11 for good gifts. The Father gives us good gifts. And almost every time uh, in Matthew's gospel, it's used to, to describe morality, a way of living that conforms to God's standard. See, there's no greater gift that we could be given. There's no better gift that we could receive. God knows just what His children need. And if earthly fathers provide for their children, how much greater is God's provision for His children? That's the point, that Jesus makes here concerning the merciful, benevolent, generous heart of God. If earthly fathers provide for their children, how much greater is God's provision for his? I have to be honest that my um, my parenting is tested on a regular basis when uh my my children um, are suddenly starving at bedtime. Anybody else experience that? Ever happened in your home? Like it's time to go to bed or it's past time to go to bed. Oh, I'm hungry. I got to eat. Don't want to go to bed. Hungry, right? A regular a, a occasion. And so at that point, it's sort of hurry up. If you need something to eat, get something to eat quick and let's get on to bed. And just a, a few days ago there was an encounter. It was well past bedtime for one of my children. I won't uh name which child, and this particular child wanted something to eat and fixed a bowl of cereal and began eating it and then suddenly wanted more cereal. And uh Daddy was a bit short and said, Hey that's enough. Let's go to bed. Time to go to bed. Right? Let's get on to bed. Uh, but even in my sinfulness, right? Even in my impatience, even in my sinfulness, I've never ignored their need for a meal. Right? There's a different standard when it comes to breakfast and lunch and dinner. We want to provide. We, we realize that as moms and dads, we want to provide for those that have been entrusted to us. And likewise, Jesus says here in verse nine, he says, what man among you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a snake? I, bread and fish were common staples. In Jesus's day, in the area of Galilee, staples of everyday everyday life, and many commentators point out that loaves of bread, round loaves of bread, uh, would resemble, not look, all that different from round flat stones that peppered the countryside. Likewise. The, uh, a fish has scales and snakes have scales and some have pointed out that uh, they both sort of propel themselves with winding movements and some fish more than others might resemble a snake, but a snake was an unfit food to eat for ancient Jews forbidden in Old Testament dietary laws. And so what, what Jesus is saying is he's saying that if your own child asks you for a meal, you're not going to deceive them by giving them something not fit to eat. Something Less than a meal. Something that, in fact, will harm them. How wicked would that be? And then he says, verse 11, If you then, though you are evil, you're sinful. You're fallen. you're sin- though, though you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? In, in other words, even fallen fathers know how to care for the kids. How much more does the Almighty Creator care for His? Jesus has already addressed the foolishness of worry, the foolishness of anxiety, calling for faith in the creating, sustaining, and caring God overall it 's that time of year when we 're still in the heart of winter, it still looks like winter outside, but there are certain uh, Plants and certain flowers that uh, begin to think that it's spring. And so they start blooming even now. Some are designed this way. In fact, there's a beautiful uh, tulip tree on our street that this week is full bloom. Stands out. Beautiful tree on the street. But if you look a little closer, it's only been that way for a few days and it's already starting to drop its petals. And pretty soon, all those petals are going to be gone. They're going to fade and fall. But doesn't that recount beautiful design of of God and caring for His creation. And Jesus has already made that correlation in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. He says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field or the branches of the tree, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so friends, if earthly fathers provide for their children, how much greater is God's provision for His children? He gives them Good gifts, verse 11, which on the surface may, may imply daily provision, bread and fish for the day. But if we dig a little deeper, our text implies the gracious father meets our greater spiritual needs, the spiritual needs of all who come to him. In fact, in Luke's counterpart to this story, in Luke chapter 11, Luke equates that good gift with the gift of the Holy Spirit. All those who ask and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that takes up residence in every believer, the same Spirit that is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come for God's people, and the one who continually works in us in order to shape us to become more like the God who saves us. Church, Jesus' message here is a call, I think, for us to see the Lord's compassionate character. See His character. See His mercy. See His kindness. See the goodness of our God. To be drawn to the grace of the God of heaven. The one who invites sinners to come to Him and to receive mercy. I think any time we read the Bible... Every time we read God's Word, it's an invitation to know the Lord. Not just to learn facts or to be sharpened in knowledge, but it's an invitation, a personal invitation to know the Lord, to come to know Him, to see Him for who He is, for the Bible is God's revelation of Himself. So see the Lord's compassionate character here as a loving father standing ready to graciously grant kingdom entrance to those who come to him. See his compassionate character and secondly, humbly ask the father to grant you faith in Christ. Humbly ask him. Ask, seek, knock. Humbly ask him to grant you faith in Christ. You see, the father stands ready to give Heaven to those who ask Him. An asking that is marked by faith in Jesus Christ, the King of the Kingdom. The Bible is clear that Jesus is from God, that He is God with us, that He is the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan to rescue the lost. Matthew is clear that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. That's how He opens His Gospel, sent to save God's people. Jesus is clear. He's clear when asked by Thomas about where he's going and how to get there, saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Christ's words on prayer that we've read this morning are an evangelistic invitation. (laughs) They're encouragement to come before the Father asking for kingdom entrance. So friend, if your future remains uncertain, if sin still stands in the way between you and a holy and righteous God, if your hope in life and death is anything other than faith in Jesus Christ, humbly ask God today to give you faith in Jesus, graciously granting you entrance into His eternal kingdom. And He will. He will. He will even, even now. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. That's a glorious promise of God. It will be to those who ask. Meaning, it has been to those who've already asked. So friend, if you've already asked, If you're already a disciple of Christ, if you've already put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, may the compassionate character of our God who saves those who come to Him spur us to pray for people near and far who would come to faith in Him. Church, let's pray for others to desire entrance into heaven. To desire entrance into God's eternal kingdom, coming to the Father through faith in the Son, praying that hearts, praying that hearts would be soft to the gospel. In Moldova, in Tunisia, in Thailand, in Turkey, in Syria, in Austria. Oh, may the spirit of this God soften the hearts of sinners so they hear the gospel spurring them to cry out to the good Father for eternal salvation. My friends, see the Lord's compassionate character in the words of Jesus. Humbly ask the Father to grant you and others faith in Jesus. See, those with faith in Jesus have a different perspective. We ought to. A different perspective. A new set of priorities. Jesus would say it this way, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. No longer... Consumed with previous ambitions and temporary conditions. I've been eager to know and serve and follow the Savior. To live out righteousness. To pursue holiness, the God-honoring kind of life that flows from God graciously granting you entrance into his eternal kingdom. And so fellow believer... Fellow disciple, fellow follower of Jesus Christ, what does it mean for you and I to ask and to seek and to knock at the Father's door for the good gifts He so readily gives? It means, I think, to pray persistently for God to make you more like Jesus. Pray persistently. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking, pray persistently for God to make you and I more like Jesus. It means to come before the Father as spiritual beggars, knowing you'll be satisfied in Jesus Christ. It means asking the Holy Spirit to continually work on our hearts to conform us more and more into the image of our Lord and Savior, the King of the kingdom, Jesus Christ. So I think our our, our text this morning is a call For all of us to come to the Father. It's a call for us to come before Him, humbly. Depending on Him, crying out to Him, praying to Him, asking, seeking, knocking. It's a, it's a call for us to come before Him, asking for entrance into His kingdom or praying for conformity to the image of the King of the kingdom. It's a prayer for entrance or it's a prayer for Conformity. It's a prayer for every one of us. So may we be a people who come before him today. Father, help us to come before you. God, help us to come before you humbly. God, help us to be a people who come before you with repentance. God, help us to be a people who come before you honestly and openly. Help us to be a people who believe that you are who you say you are. God help us to be a people who by your Spirit's work and guidance and conviction in our own hearts as we hear your word, help us to be a people who believe, God, that you are a compassionate Lord, a sovereign King who desires to save. God lead us to cry out to you, to come before you, to seek you, to praise you, to lay our lives before you, to ask us to make us fit for your kingdom, not because of something good in us, but because of the righteousness of Jesus that is imputed to us by your grace through our faith in Christ. Lord, lead in that way. Hear our response now. Lord, hear our prayers now. Hear our praise now. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.